You're listening to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby Podcast. We're live each Monday night on YouTube, available for download every Wednesday morning, and always online at earfulofdirt.com. Bringing you the latest news, views, and abuse, Earful of Dirt is the only podcast dedicated to Major League Rugby. Now, coming to you live from across the United States, here's your hosts. And we're live. Welcome to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby Podcast. Thank you for joining us. I'm Aaron Castro from Arizona, joined this week by Victor Perez from the New York City. Josh Fredland is in the high mountain city of Denver. And then producer Corey Munson is in Iowa hanging out on Twitter and in the control room. So if you have questions, comments, and even concerns, go ahead and submit them live and we'll go over them. Um, how's everyone's week been? Good. <laughs> awesome. Oh, really? Yeah, I hey. stay at my current job. Ooh, congratulations. Had my, had my first day at my new job. Things are moving and shaking for all of us. Not for me, same as your show. We had a lot of rugby this weekend. It was nice having three games again. Mm. Oh, yeah. And then uh, did anyone uh, – well, I guess any, no one can see it since this, all England matches are now owned by Flow Rugby. But um, anyone see the score of the Barbarians game? <laughs> yeah, 63 to 45. Man, that game was nice. <laughs> I really enjoyed that match. That was a really fun match. <laughs> That's, that is what it, having no defense means, I guess. Oh, man. And then uh, apparently Ben Teo got injured in training yesterday or something like that. Yeah, like, yeah that oh. sucks, well. England so, is just England's continuing the downfall of 2018. So mm-hmm. England's the next tier one nation to lose to a tier two nation? <laughs> apparently. <laughs> so hashtag downfall 2018. Uh, but, um,. I blame Brexit. It's <laughs> apparently a reason for why we have less money in the union. Supposedly, uh, you know, it's uh, uh, the exchange rate from three years ago extremely affected us. Mm. Um, but uh, I was in Belize this weekend. That was fun. Um, as you can tell, I'm in a sling. It did not occur in Belize. Uh, I was in a bike accident uh, two weeks ago, uh, so I began my recovery from a uh, a cabana beachside in Belize at my uh, brother-in-law's uh, I guess wedding slash wedding reception type thing. It was really cool. Uh, did, you have, did you have your own cabana boy? Uh, well, no, but. Um, <laughs> Uh, the waitresses and waiters did come out to the cabana asking if you wanted drinks. That did happen. I finished a book, so that was cool. Uh, Isaac Asimov's The Foundation. But, uh, um, that was my weekend. And, of course, I watched uh, you know, the three games this weekend, so that was awesome. From Facebook. From Facebook, yeah. That was cool. <laughs> watching, watching on Facebook Live, like people kept asking, you know, people kept asking on the Reddit board, hey, is it working for you? And I was like, here's the link. Like, it's working fine. 
Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. I don't know why some locations don't work, but I do know that it worked in Belize. So, um, moving on. So for those new to the podcast, each Monday night we discuss news and rumors from Major League Rugby, the United States Professional Rugby Union competition. It's a chance to discuss the issues, hear from the league and team leadership, and check in with our friends from across the U.S. rugby scene. Um, so this week, what do we got, Josh? Uh, this week we have Austin outplayed San Diego. We got Utah winning a tight battle against Houston. Seattle steamrolling NOLA. Uh, we recap the week with our predictions. We do next week's predictions and more. So let's get to it. So, um, you know, I got this one wrong. I, I thought Austin was going to bounce. I thought, but I didn't think San Diego was going to go straight into the ground. But that was because Austin bounced really high. Uh, you know, in the first half, they just tore him up. And then in the second half, they really tore him up again. But this they didn't score in the second half, uh, neither team. But to be able to, you know, hold a team scoreless for the rest of the game is uh, pretty impressive defensively with how that worked. So... I, I really don't get it, guys. How is it that San Diego loses 31-5 to to Austin after the games they have put in, in the past couple, of, past couple of weeks pretty much with an unchanged uh, lineup, uh, lineup? Excuse me. So it's, it's, it's incredible. I don't know what happened. I don't know if probably the guys ate something bad and, and that affected them. Or, I, I mean, that's the only explanation I can find. That How a team that goes so high just drops to Austin. So, I mean, it was like it's not a bad team, but dang it. It really looked like San Diego didn't want to be there. Seriously. Yeah, they were, they were really sluggish for the most part. Like, it was just going through the motions. And, you know, you have to wonder, do teams need to start coming in, like, the week after uh, a game? Like, when we're in, you know, end of May, like mid-May, June, to acclimate? to the conditions that they're going to play on because teams that have gone down to New Orleans, down to Houston, and to Austin have not really fared that well uh, overall. Uh, when you think about it, uh, things have looked sloppy uh, in certain parts of the game. And, you know, uh, the home team will make us eat some crow with some of that. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't know what happened. Like Austin played a great game, like straight up, uh, scrummaging. There were some issues, uh, and there were some issues the first time they played, uh, together, uh, and San Diego was having big time scrum issues, but they were able to find the gaps and this time, and you know, Austin scored during that game, but this time Austin just ate up, ate it up. Right. So. Is humidity going to be worse than elevation? What do you guys think? Well, as someone that comes from a, a tropical country down in the Caribbean, I can tell you that humidity is ridiculous, especially when you have to do uh, physical work, let alone sports. Now, I cannot talk about elevation because I never lived. In, I have never lived in an area uh, in a certain of a certain elevation that, that affected me. But um, but in terms of humidity and heat, that's not fun. Trust me. Well, yeah, especially because because your main body's way of cooling off is sweating. 
you can't really cool off in the humidity because there's so much moisture in the air. It prevents the sweat from evaporating. That's why I personally, I prefer elevation. I mean, I've lived here 20 years almost, and I still like it. I still like coming home better than I do going to visit my family back in Maryland. So. Oh, dude, and Maryland is notorious, especially down in Baltimore. I don't know. I don't know how you guys refer to it in Colorado, but in New York City, we call Baltimore the, Baltimore the armpit of America because it's just so hot down there. <laughs> well, <laughs> you got, if you guys want humidity and you guys want heat, uh, come to Phoenix in August. It is. It'll get to like one fifteen, and then because it's monsoon season, it's just gonna. The air is so thick; it's it's ridiculous. But back to the game, back to the game. So, what did you guys think of Zinzan's try? That was, you know, get the steal and just. I I thought I honestly thought did think the kick was coming. I thought it came too late. Yeah, I I mean it it was. I thought that kick was lazy, to be honest. Yeah. I. Like if, you know, leader can put the ball into play with the chip all the time. He can do it up and under. But based on how the defense was arrayed, it was an either lazy kick that he thought his guys were going to be able to run at. Or if it wasn't lazy, he just completely misread the defense and he paid for it mm-hmm. with the try of the week. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There so, you go. And then we had uh, the, another great try, uh, Henko Hamishice. That dude, I mean, he's always eaten, right? Uh, the when he got through the San Diego back line, there was with the the way the rotation was, there was nothing to stop him. And I tweeted it that I, I said that it was some low hanging fruit because you know once he was past the gain line. There was no one there, and he basically walked in. And it didn't. It didn't look like San Diego was expecting that short lineout that they ran, and were expecting Austin to go wide. And so I think Austin must have seen something in game film that caused them to do that. And you know, looking at SD, there there really weren't. Um, there really wasn't anything bright about the game for them. Dylan Aldsley had had a decent game, but. There just wasn't anything to, for me to be positive about. They got shut down uh, in the first half, only scored five points. And then there was – they threatened a few times, but in the second half there was just nothing there. And which says, yeah, their defense was able to hold Austin to zero, but you're getting Rex 31 to five. So you need to do something there. So also credit to Austin for not conceding any like tons of penalties that would allow San Diego to just make up the make up in points by kicking. Mm-hmm. If I remember correctly, that's actually how San Diego has scored most of their points is um, working off of penalties, and by Austin not committing so many penalties, they were able to keep. San Diego on the ball and force them to play an offense instead of just going from the set piece. I, I think that's definitely correct because Leader and Sema have kicked a ton of penalties. I think if we if we combined them both, they would have be like as a pair, they would have they will have scored more points 
uh, with their foot than Sam Windsor has uh, combined. So, uh, you know, playing good, clean rugby is, is what it takes. So moving on to the Sabercats, uh, Utah steals one. <laughs> Down- 36 to 30. And, and for me, I, there was a lot of scrummaging issues with this. Um, and, you know, I thought this game was pretty rough uh, up in the in the first half for a little while. Uh, people just uh, – both teams just weren't able to get things going, and I think that says a lot about the defense. And they just grinded it out, and Utah was able to just do enough. Uh, go, they just built over a period of time rather than what we saw with Houston. Because do you guys think that uh, they're just fitness isn't there? Because they can score 30 points almost every game. But someone's able to score more uh, so far in regular season play. They, they, this was a problem in the preseason at points too, but they were just able to score so much before this happened. Um, they go through lulls. They go through a 10-minute lull in each half, and that's when their opposition is able to come back and almost take over. And then um, one of the other things is uh, Kurt Morath's kicking. Uh, you know, I would say I sort of haven't given Kurt Morath enough credit uh, for what he did, uh, especially against uh, Seattle, because I was trying to figure out, because I was looking at the stats – we're talking about time of possession and how much uh, ball uh, Utah had in Seattle's half uh, the previous week. And that's all due to Kurt, Kurt Morath doing like kicking downfield deep and giving Utah the kind of possession they need to convert. The difference here was that they were able to convert that one extra try. Uh, over uh, Houston, which is something that they were unable to do over Seattle. <sighs> I don't know what's happening with the Cybercats guys because during preseason, I won't say that they were perfect, perfect, but um, but I think at least they were putting a show. Uh, they were winning games. I mean, got a couple of um, draws here and there, and then the season comes in and they lose to Nola the first game and. I don't know what happened. It just, just went downhill, pretty much. So, it, I, it I, I don't know like, what it is. Well, in this one, it looked like... Um, <laughs> I remember Grant getting on me about my preseason 15, about how Houston wasn't in there. And they have shown that at points, that they can be one of the best. But in this game, Scott Green took that away. Just looked weird. I mean... If it wasn't for those, Houston could have dominated dominated this game. Yeah, so like so one of the things I talk about playing is one of the I'm never gonna be a ref. Because I am probably one of the biggest jerks to refs. But one of the things I've I've always said to like guys I've played with that get pissed off about the ref is that penalties don't matter. The ref doesn't matter. Never let the ref dictate your actions. Always do enough to counteract whatever he's doing. If he's going to call certain penalties, you need to adjust because that means you're doing something. I I know Liam talked about this in his match recap 
And he had some better angles. And I know Grant Cole had some better angles because they were there. And, you know, you don't get everything on the broadcast. Mm -hmm. But Scott Green kept, like, calling penalties. And it was, like, the same penalty every time. So I, they, there just wasn't an adjustment. What I do think, what I do like is the fact that he didn't issue any yellow cards for this run. Um, what, was Houston more dominant? Yeah. Um, they were more dominant over the entire match up front. Uh, there, were, there were several uh, scrums where Utah lost their binds. And, you know, they got walked over, which is pretty dangerous. Which is interesting that Scott they something occurred during those periods of times that they either that the Saber Cats somehow conceded a penalty or they played quick one channel ball and Utah was able to get their ball out. Um, and you know it's been one of the things has been identified as the loose head not driving straight from some of the commentators and you know I don't know what Scott Green has seen. But I'm I pointed out on the Reddit board that Scott Green is probably the most qualified ref to you know ref scrums. He was a forward. He's not just a back because most refs are backs. But he's done quality ref education for his guys because he's the head of the Texas Referees Association. Um, I posted some professional development stuff that he's done. So. I don't know what he saw. And if, like, I'll talk to him at some point and see what he saw, and maybe we'll find out. But one team adjusted to how the ref was calling the game, and one team didn't. And then, Go ahead, Aaron. Sorry. And then, like, Utah was just able to find the gaps in the second half, you know, because they, they scored in the 69th minute, and then they played good defense the rest of the way. They scored. They were down a man too, weren't they? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I will give um, Utah some credit up front. Uh, if there was, if there is a newcomer of the year award, um, Lote Tui Pelotu gets my vote. Yeah, that, I mean, man, he's he's starting to score a lot. I there's one game he scored twice. I think he scored five tries by now, which is pretty. Pretty impressive. I did not expect that from him. Um, so that's all I got about Houston versus uh, Utah. Congrats to the Warriors for uh, moving up on the table after getting, you know, moving on now. But uh, mm-hmm. so this was a crazy game. I was able to speak with uh, both Coach Osborne and uh, general manager Ryan Fitzgerald about this game. Uh, I sort of had a feeling that it would be the margin would be wider. And if you, you guys remember my picks from last week, this was my widest margin, right? I said 10 points, I think it was. By the way, we're talking about Seattle and New Orleans, right? <laughs> so yeah, make sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Seattle over New Orleans, 50. You said five. I said five. It was 55 to 26. So yeah, so that was a huge margin of error. Do do we really need to talk about Noah? I mean, outside of a ten minute period, they they just weren't there. Um. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, Seattle had a complete game, right? 
Uh, for Nola, it's, like I said, I spoke with Coach Osborne. Um, you know, he said he was proud of the guy, proud of the way the guys responded in the first half, but they just got beat. That Seattle was just better for 80 minutes, and he, he they just played great defense and shut them down in the second half because you know they battled back. Uh, in the first half, after going down 21 to zero, in I think it was like 11, 11 and a half minutes, maybe it was even less. Like that was just thump, thump, thump. Uh, yeah, it was, Brock, I was gonna say it was 21 0 by minute 12. Yeah, Brock Stoller had two really fun tries early. Uh, you know. Talking about like we talk about support running, talk about team construct, and just being in the right place at the right time, and you know we're starting to see Seattle play within you know that that team construct, which is really awesome. I, I almost have to ask. I know you said you kind of wanted to not do this tonight, but because Phil Mack is the coach, do you think that's having more of an impact on Seattle? because he's also on the field directing it. I realize rugby is more of a player-led game, but the fact that he is the fact that he is also the coach having more of an impact. Um I think at some point it will have a negative impact. I think for where we are as a rugby nation, uh having a player coach can be okay, but it takes a highly effective person to be a player coach that can manage um, you know, substitutions. I don't think he's managing substitutions, by the way. But uh, to be, uh, you know, just be able to put in the game plan and then execute the game plan as the starting scrum half. Mm-hmm. So I think he's going to be a great head coach when he finally hangs up the boots. But I think as years go by, you can't do that. Uh, it's it's going at some point you're going to have a negative effect because you won't be able to spend enough time doing analysis and game planning for the team. Um, mm-hmm. What what it says is that he's special. That's that's what I think. Um, but um, uh, I, I will say um, we had that MVP vote prior to the season. Um, I think we overlooked Brock Stoller just a little bit. <laughs> Brock Stoller is a hell of a uh, oh wow like he he was ridiculous mm-hmm. you know I see Stoller and he reminds me a little bit of that wing from the Argentinian team um, Emiliano Bofelli a little bit like him and also I mean the, the way they kick is also very similar so yeah I, so I see Stoller and I see a little bit of a failure. I just I just find a kicking wing with the way players have gotten so specialized to be such a such a unique thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I agree. Know. And then so he had he had a yellow card. He was off for ten mm-hmm. minutes. And you know, Will Holder, he had his first two kicks that I've ever seen from him. He obviously knows how to kick, but like he had. I hadn't seen him kick in years, and I'm glad to see that he has worked on his kicking as a fly half. You know, he like for me, fly halves kicking is a core skill. If you're going to play fly half, you got to kick. That's right. And you know what? He made both of his kicks. 
a penalty, and a conversion. So shout out to Will Holder getting it done and putting his hand up saying, I want to be back in the Eagles squad working on his core skills and executing those in game time. Um, another player that was uh, ridiculous, Eric Duchal. A beast. Two tries. Um, a try assist. Uh, pretty much, I think it would take two to three tacklers to take him down. He just ripped through past the game line several times. Uh, and, you know, it it was something it was something good. You've, you've seen him grow as a player in this system, which is not something he's had the chance to do when he was on his last assignment in the Air Force. It, it, was, it was a surprise to me that this was his first start, especially since they played him up a lot in the preseason. I guess they looked at him as an impact sub, kind of like Billy Tulatow was supposed to be. But they've had so much of an impact that they almost need to be starters. Yeah, I, I, I think that's what we're seeing with, say, a guy like Devin Short, right? Mm-hmm. You're, you're seeing these high-level athletes that are playing rugby that what they do athletically outweighs their uh, their flaws because you mm-hmm. can coach up their flaws, right? But you can't coach, you know, six foot four, six foot five, 240 pounds. Mm-hmm. Like, if he ain't six foot five, you're only going to be able to put so many, so many pounds on his body, right? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. and he, if he, if he runs the four, a four, three, 40, can't coach that either. Uh, so just natural acuity towards certain things. Um, but I, I think the great surprises in this are just the development of of players who hadn't been seen in a while, and not necessarily like players who were, you know, young players who were never who weren't on the radar. It's guys who had been on the radar that are now in environments where they get the quality coaching necessary. You see. Um, I mean, just look at Will Holder, for example. I mean, I knew of him, but I didn't know how good he was until I saw him play for the for the Seawolves. Same thing with Peter Tiberio. So those two guys, I, I saw them several times in the Sevens team, but never, and I never saw their value until I saw them play big teams in a professional environment. So yeah, this same, guy, with, uh, same with me. I recognize those names from Sevens. I just I didn't think they would they would transfer over to Fifteens. It's, it's mm-hmm. a great thing to see. Exactly. And speaking of Will Holder as a fly half, like you mentioned, Aaron, I also never saw him kicked until this game, for example. And to be completely honest with you, let's be honest with each other, USA doesn't really develop, doesn't still, still, still cannot develop fly halves. So just, you still need to get guys, foreign guys, to play for the US, to play for that specific position. So... If he so, gets if he gets keeps getting good like that, he could eventually play for the U.S. again. There's an American fly half right there. Um, mm-hmm. and he didn't play like fly half when he was eight years old, and it's being. I I talk about this all the time. An elite athlete isn't just elite because of like his genetic makeup physically. 
uh, it's also up here in the brain. So like not every player is going to be able to cross over from football to rugby, from rugby to football, from basketball to football. Because it takes a brain that is willing to absorb that kind of stuff. Uh, finally, a uh, highlight for uh, the the Seattle Seawolves was Matt Turner. Yep. He's got he's got an extra gear. Wow! Another, another one that surprised me a, a lot, quite a lot. I, I did not. First of all, I thought Matt Turner was older, but he and I are the same age. Uh, uh, yeah, because he uh, he is of. Chris Cracknell vintage of Eagle on England sevens, but uh, Chris is obviously older. So, <laughs> but, but uh, you saw that extra gear he had that he just pressed the button and went into the tri zone, evading a tackle. Mm-hmm. It did seem a little almost like Nola was playing in slow motion on that try. So, moving on. Moving on, uh, Major League Rugby's Player of the Week. Uh, for those that want to know, yes, I did have a hand in selecting Brock Stoller as part of my role as a MLR contributor. Um, and then you have, we said, I guess we also chose the Player of the Week, but there was really like two tries that were the Player of the Week, and that was Zin Zan and uh, Matt Turner's try. So... I think we coin flipped and said Zinzan Alon Puddock's uh, try was the play of the week. Um, what was everyone's game game of the week? So definitely, definitely Seawolves gold. I had a lot of fun in that one. Utah Houston will be a, a close second, and I mean we were talking about Austin San Diego. That one was that one was a disappointment for me. So so yeah, definitely Seawolves gold. Had a lot of fun in that game. Oh, watching that game, I should say. I, I got to say Utah-Houston just because I feel, while not the best game to watch, it's um, I would say it's the best game to watch to introduce a new fan. Um, if you really want to introduce a new uh, new fan, show them Houston-San Diego from a couple weeks ago. But um, if you had to pick a game from this week, that would probably Utah-Houston would probably be the best game just because it had that back-and-forth action. It wasn't a runaway like Seattle's game was. Yeah, that's nice to watch, but I kind of like the drama. I uh, went with uh, Utah Houston as well. I really enjoyed. Uh, you know, I I guess for me, uh, part of the problem with this weekend is I felt like most of the games I enjoyed about twenty to thirty minutes of each game, and uh, that was you know especially true with the Austin um, Austin San Diego game. I mean, outside of the very start of the game, there just wasn't much to enjoy there. <laughs> It was just a beat down, but I said Utah uh, over Houston just because there was a little bit of that drama. You know, there was a question about whether uh, Utah was going to come back right there or uh, Houston was going to come back right there at the end, and I thought they really had a shot. But um, and I also, uh, for me, Houston had uh, one of my tries of the week. Um, it was early on, and I'm sorry for not writing down the numbers, the guys who did it, but it was a long. Uh, series of phases to get it into the try zone and uh it just was a lot of guys really playing as a team working hard to make that happen and uh so i really enjoyed that try and uh yeah i should have written down who exactly that was so i chose uh seattle versus new orleans 
uh, you know, I was sort of happy about being wrong um, about Friday's pick. I did pick San Diego by five. Um, obviously, you know, we're in that Austin elite. I was very happy to see them win. And in the same fashion that they did, I did not, I did not expect that. But back to Seattle versus New Orleans, you know, it was just domination. And it set up a showdown between uh, Glendale and the Seawolves for, <laughs> you know, the title. Because right now, because they've played another game, the Seawolves are on top of the table and the Raptors are coming out of a bye week. Two. Two. Oh, yeah. Two bye weeks. So they've basically been off for a month. Um, <laughs> so let's let's revisit our week six predictions. Austin over San Diego, thirty-one to five. I had San Diego by five. Josh, it's San Diego by eighteen. <laughs> I guess I deal by fourteen. Couldn't have not been more wrong about that. I beat all y'all. I had San Diego by 21. Well, I got the five right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And this next one I got right on the dot. This was insane. Utah over Houston, 36 to 30. I was off by one. I had Utah minus seven. I had Utah minus three. I also had Utah minus seven, so there we go. We were also off by one. And I had Houston uh, minus seven, so I was off by 13. Uh, And then final match, Seattle over New Orleans, 55 to 26. I had Seattle minus five, although I will will go, go point out that I looked into the EOD pool on Super Brew, and I had picked Seattle by 10. So, uh, you know, I, I wasn't true to my pick. <laughs> I had Seattle minus seven. So. There you go. I got Seattle by 14, so I was just a bit close. It's <laughs> a bit. Yeah, I was right there with Victor. I had uh, minus 14 for Seattle, so I was pretty confident they were going to win. No idea it was going to be by that much. So, um, closest one for this week was Victor and I for Utah over Houston. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's go into next week's matches. Week seven uh, matches are on Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Utah visits Austin. I've got Utah minus five. Got Utah minus ten. And Utah minus seven, I have. And I'm going to say Austin minus seven, just to be contrarian. And, and so the reason why I picked Utah is that they've their growth has been gradual, whereas Austin has been a bit of a yo-yo. They'll go up and then they'll go, they'll go down. down. So that's the rationale behind that. I would love to see them win at home, but that's what I think is going down. Then we've got on Saturday, Seattle visits the Sabercats for your big, ugly game of the week. There's going to be a lot of stake in this one. This is going to be a game for the front three. I, I'm telling you. like, mm-hmm. we, I have to say, the, like, as far as packs are concerned, these are the best 
uh, front rows in the league this, from what I can see right now. Um, yeah. So, uh, is Josh. I said Seattle minus seven. <laughs> I had, um, you mentioned the humidity and the heat earlier. Since they're going to Houston, I got they only one by two in New Orleans, so I'm only going Seattle minus three. I'm gonna I'm going to give the the Seahawks the benefit of the doubt and want to say they will win by ten. Now, in terms of importance, I think the most important game right now, guys, as it stands, will be June 16, Seawolves uh, uh, against Glendale at Glendale. Uh, since those two teams right now are one and two. So if both of them can win, that will be definitely the match to find out who stays on, on top. And don't forget, June is coming, which means tests, which means we don't know what Seattle is going to be looking like. That is um, for this game, though, I do have Seattle winning. I've got them at four, uh, minus 14. So. so for the final match of the weekend on Sunday, we've got Glendale visiting NOLA. Uh, because they've been off and bye weeks have been brutal uh, to the team that plays bye, uh, I'm going Glendale minus three. I got Glendale minus five. I think they can overcome that um, that heat and humidity. I'll say Glendale by ten. And I went with uh, Nola by three because I think there is something magical about having home games. Uh, home home field advantage has been a real thing this season uh, for teams. Teams at home have won more often than teams on the road. So that, that is true. So looking at transactions with the league. David Tamalau signed with the Glasgow Warriors, so I guess those uh, rumors were true. Out of French France. rumors? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Out of Media Olympique. Cool. Well, guys, I guess I'll jump in and I'll do Dan's tweet of the week. So, our tweet of the week actually comes as a recommendation uh, from Corey. Thank you, Corey, because you sent me the trouble looking for this. So, um, our friend, friend of the show, Martin Pengeli, at Martin Pengeli on Twitter, um, posted a new article that is specifically of an interview that he had with, um, this was uh, the former, dang it, I'm blanking on his, former security advisor, there you go. Um, let me see, I'm blanking on his first name now. I know his last name is uh, uh, McMaster. HR. Uh, yeah. H- H- HR McMaster? Does his name yeah. HR McMaster? Oh, okay. There. Well, his name is his name is Herbert, but he goes oh, Her- by HR. Yeah, yeah, Herbert sounds yeah, HR sounds so much better than Herbert. <laughs> so HR McMaster. Uh, talking about his history with rugby. He's actually uh, he was a rugby player at out of um, West Point. And he was talking about his history with the sport and how he has used that uh, in his um in his work, in his professional life couple of other uh, interesting um, topics as well. Now, the actual tweet is as follows. Uh, uh, and this uh, quote, on, on CBS Sports, there is a USMLR, the new US uh, pro competition. And then uh, HR says, that is some really good hashtag rugby. McMaster <laughs> uh, says, I have watched the uh, uh, Legion, excuse me. I watched uh, Legion play Houston Supercats. It was a great match. Came to the last minute, super high scoring. So I'm really glad to see that um, Mr. McMaster is enjoying a USMLR and hopefully a lot of other people that play rugby during their college years will mention it 
bit more of the of the league. It's definitely, that's a good PR. So again, that is a tweet of the week. So I, I went ahead, uh, jumping to the next thing, I went ahead and compiled the list of all of the appearances and starts for the league this year, team by team. Um, made it, I, have, I posted the Google Doc on the Major League Rugby subreddit, r slash ML Rugby. Um, interesting. Um, Austin and Glendale have used the least amount of players at 27, while San Diego and Utah have used the most at 33. So um, that's that's really interesting. And thanks for your work on that, Josh. That was that was really that was some, interesting stuff. That was some great stuff. Uh, make sure you keep working on that so that it's it's clear through the season. <laughs> I will. I will. I will give a shout out to America's Rugby News because they actually helped. They helped a lot with that because um, in their recaps they mentioned whether or not a sub went into the game. Uh, yeah. So hopefully by the end of the season we'll. Get back on that and see how it turned out. Moving on to views, news, and abuse. Uh, so I confirm this happened. I don't really know why, but I know that San Diego did not attend the social following the game against Austin. There were some things said that handshakes were not exchanged, but I, I confirmed with an Austin source an Austin fan source that handshakes were exchanged. However, I know that uh, the, the Legion was hurried off the field and I heard, um, I I don't know why they didn't attend the social. Um, So it's out there uh, (laughs) on the news sources. So I just wanted to point that out. And the next one is the Eagles are in minicamp. Uh, they were reported to camp yesterday, except for Ali Khalifi, who played on Sunday. He reported to, well, not yesterday, Sunday. And Ali Khalifi, who played on Sunday, flew to camp on Monday morning. And they get released on Thursday to their MLR teams so that they can play this weekend. And then all players who report back to camp in Colorado following the games this weekend. Uh, will not be released through the end of the tour. So at least we get that one game, right? So that's important. Even even if they're not selected, do we? Uh, well, for for this weekend, there's no game, so everyone gets released. Yeah, but, but, I mean, like, but during the tour, if they're not if they're not selected, they will not be released uh, for those three weekends. Yeah, I wanted to uh, mention real quick before we move on to questions, too. Um, on Friday, this kind of got lost in the shuffle of the weekend, but uh, we did release our midseason um, MLR journalists po- standing polls, uh, just kind of our wrap up, uh, talking to about 20 uh, major league rugby and rugby, U.S. rugby journalists about what uh, they felt the standings of the team should be. Um, beyond what just the points will tell you. So uh, we got some interesting results, especially considering the matches this weekend. Uh, So I'll just go through it real quick. Our standings as of last Friday uh, had it Glendale number one, Seattle number two, San Diego number three, NOLA number four, Utah number five, Houston number six, and Austin number seven. 
And just comparing that to uh, the current standings, I'm looking over here on uh, USMLR's site, they have Seattle in first, Glendale second, Utah third, Austin fourth, uh, making a big move this weekend, uh, NOLA fifth, uh, San Diego sixth and Houston seventh. So there is a little bit of divergence there. I mean, the middle's still the middle, the bottom's still the bottom, uh, except for Austin. Uh, but I think one thing, as folks have been really talking a lot about Se- uh, Seattle's move, it's important to remember that uh, now because of the bye week, Seattle's played uh, one more match than Glendale has, and Glendale remains undefeated and if they go on to win this weekend they'll still be undefeated and seattle will still have one loss on their record so the standings are a little bit the numbers are a little bit you know it's not quite accurate i guess as to what the reality of maybe the quality of the teams are and so that's one of the things i really like about the poll we conducted which is available and up uh, for viewing on our blog at uh, earfulofdirt.com you guys can check that out anytime. It kind of it, it cuts through just the points and the bye weeks and all that and kind of just speaks to the overall quality right this moment of the teams. And uh, so, yeah, that's what I uh, had to share about that. So thank you very much. That's a, I think that's a great exercise. And then we'll uh, come back to that at the end of uh, the week. Uh, the Freaking season. Wow. Um, painkillers, right? Um, actually, pain, because I think my painkiller has worn off. Um, so, on to the last segment of the ship, Corey. Abs- absolutely, guys. It is time for one of my favorite sections. It's time for questions from Bob. And though Bob himself didn't send in anything this week, not sure what he's up to, uh, we had a lot of other great uh, great questions come through. <laughs> so, uh, leading us off, we got uh, Flippity Floppity 10, who's made many appearances. Oh, one of the best screen names, by the way. Flippity Floppity 10 wants to know, do you think the league champs will be invited to the White House, all uh, some other professional teams? Well, I mean, if McMaster was still there, maybe. Mm-hmm. I, I hope so. That would be fun, you know. That would be fun. Does the uh, winner of the uh, professional lacrosse league get to, to go to the White House? Uh, I don't know, but when Trump was honoring collegiate teams this year, this last year, the Penn State women's rugby team was the first rugby team ever honored by a sitting president. Uh, the other women's rugby team that was honored by someone that lived in the White House happened to be First Lady Barbara Bush honoring the 1991 World Cup women's rugby team. So, well, going, going back to HR McMaster uh, real quick, he's actually handing out the trophy at the CRCs this weekend. Yeah, so the uh, Pete Dawkins trophy, the MVP trophy of the uh, – I think that's the MVP trophy. Um, He will be handing that out to the winner. So that will be really cool. All right. Uh, Next up from Captain Duckbeard. He wants to know, will trades be allowed in MLR? Name checks out. (laughs) Well, they already have. 
Pakistanasi Afu was traded from Austin for assets, undisclosed assets. Mm-hmm. I guess uh, Mike uh, Palafau to from Seattle to Utah doesn't really count because he left and um, they came back. No, so we'll get to that the next question. Well, speaking of the next question, say me wants to know what's the story with Mike Palafau. 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 I know he left Seattle uh, for Utah, which was not a publicized move, as I recall. This is all coming from Sane And I have not noticed him in a recent Utah lineup. So what's going so, on there, guys? This is what I got. Um, he was – so Mike's dealing with a family illness uh, that, I guess, forced him, him and his family to relocate to – from Seattle to be with the rest of their family in uh, Salt Lake City area. Uh, I, his He was released by the Seawolves, and I guess that he was able to be signed by the Warriors. Um, why he has not been in the lineup the last two weeks? Maybe he got hurt against Austin? Question mark? I don't know. Um, there really hasn't been much on him since that one game. Well, to, to be fair, him and um, Jetuvai Nicolo basically traded spots, and they haven't really substituted him out. All right. The last question of the night uh, actually comes from Tobar the Gypsy. That's kind of a stupid username if I ever heard one. <laughs> Tell me about it, right? Yeah. Whatever. Uh, okay, Dan. Dan wants to know, with the recent England versus Barbarians match, I was wondering about a potential MLR Barbarian slash All-Stars that could come together and play against the U.S. and Canadian national teams. Well, what do you guys think of this idea? So, I mean, a Barbarian side would be one that's put together from anywhere, right? And then these guys aren't selected or ones that aren't selected by their national team. Uh, yeah, it can be fun. And then you play this game as a warm-up before the tour. Yeah, why not? Um, you know, I, I said the other day, I guess a couple weeks back, a great warm-up fixture would be the MLR Exiles versus the Eagles before the Eagles went on tour. I like the idea. Yeah. I remember um, the, was it the USA-Canada qualifier in San Diego had the U.S. Women's Eagles play the WPL All-Stars. Mm-hmm. That's right. Man, that was a massacre, by the way. That was a massacre over the square. It was Fictus of Zero or something like that. Yeah, I was there. It was, uh, it was rough. It was rough. Yeah, yeah seriously. All right. Uh, I think that about wraps it up tonight. So let's go home. No one else wants to say anything. Speak now or forever hold your peace for six days. Well, I guess that's a good point. Thank you guys for tuning in on a special Tuesday night edition. Um, and I hope you all had a good and respectful Memorial Day weekend. If you celebrate it. Uh, yep, an opportunity to relax a little, maybe enjoy some friends and family, but also remember 
why we celebrate this holiday and uh, keep the memories of those who have served and uh, given the ultimate sacrifice, give it the, keep those memories alive. So, uh, yeah, uh, that's about all my final thoughts. We'll be back on Monday night, uh, back to our normal schedule next week. So look for us then. Thank you. Definitely. So, guys, uh, just to let us out, thank you for joining us for another great episode of the Earful of Dirt Major League Rugby Podcast. That was episode 38, everyone, by the way. Uh, make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel at Earful of Dirt Podcast. On top of that, also like us on our social media accounts on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all of them at Earful of Dirt. Also, check out our blog, quote-unquote, earfulofdirt.com, <laughs> so you could check out a couple couple of the writings there. And, of course, uh, with, with the podcast, a form of, of the show, make sure to uh, add us on your iTunes, Acast, Google Play, Stitcher, Player FM, uh, account, whatever that's called, and drop us a review, guys. When I, we haven't read a review in about, I want to say, two, three weeks. It's been a while. It's only been a while. By the way, guys, also, I tested this out this week. It does work. Tell your smart speaker to play the latest episode of Earful of Dirt. Seriously. Go. Just ask Alexa or Google mm-hmm. or whoever. Okay, we'll do it. Uh, I, I need to try that. Alexa, play me Earful of Dirt. So playing Earful of Dirt. <laughs> I need to try that. Also, guys, make sure to call us uh, on our phone, uh, our phone number. Drop us a voicemail, which we still haven't, still haven't gotten that. Like, it's incredible. Um, by the way, phone number is one seven two zero six hundred two six seventy nine. Again, please drop us a message on that. Definitely want to put it out loud. Again, one seven two zero six hundred two six seventy nine. Also, before I forget, um, the live streams are done on Mondays usually, ten p.m. Eastern, seven p.m. Pacific time. So with that said, everyone, thank you for listening once again. My name is Victor. That was Corey. That was Josh. That was an injured Aaron Castro, which I wish him a speedy recovery. And we'll <laughs> see you guys. Well, we'll hear you and see you as well if you're listening to the, watching the video next week. Gracias. Connect with Earful of Dirt anytime. We're on Facebook and Twitter as Earful of Dirt. You can email us at earfulofdirt at gmail.com or call and leave us a voicemail at 720-600-2679. Until next time, for Aaron, Dan, and Victor, I'm Corey. Thanks for joining us.